This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Welcome, Father Matthew Peroni. This is Gordon Smith, and I'm with Catholic Radio Indy. We are doing a Sons of Melchizedek episode today. Father Matthew, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I uh, I grew up uh, just a little bit west of here as an only child, west of Indianapolis, listed in Pittsburgh, Brownsburg area. And uh, I went to public school all the way uh, throughout my life, and uh, I enjoy uh, hobbies. I enjoy uh, reading, fishing, kayaking, and uh, spending time with my friends. Cool. And you are a, a new priest. Correct. Just ordained fairly recently, right? That's right. Just back in uh, June, on June 4th of this of year. Of this year, yep. 2022. Well, welcome to becoming a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. You, you. are stationed here at uh, where I'm interviewing you at St. Monica's on the 63rd and Michigan Road area in mm-hmm. Indianapolis. So how has been your first assignment here at St. Monica's? How is it going? Yeah, it's been very well. It's been a good opportunity to experience a lot of things and to be able to get to meet people. So I was here two years ago as a seminarian on summer assignment. And so it's been good to reconnect with uh, people that I got to meet uh, then, as well as to get to know uh, more people as well, and just to really experience what it is to be a priest, the life of a priest, and just really to be able to be present uh, with the people. My, uh, I, I have to laugh because my first weekend here, I had... Uh, as I had, a priest, as uh, a priest. So After which, being ordained, though. Right, right, right. Okay. Yes, yes, that's correct. Ahead. Yep, yep. My first, uh, my first weekend here uh, as being the associate pastor here, I, uh, I preached. We have six masses, so I preached all the masses, and then I had three of those masses, and then I had a house blessing, uh, three quinceañeras in one mass, but three quinceañeras, and uh, and so it was really good just to really dive right in to, and to get to experience a lot of things that first weekend. Sure, sure. And uh, that word that you just mentioned, we might mention to our listening audience that St. Monica's is a parish that is bilingual and has a large Hispanic audience. Do you want to say anything in Spanish to our listeners that might be listening that speak that language? Hola todos, gracias por escuchando este, este programa. Gracias por su fe, gracias por su atención. Y es un placer para hablar hoy en este, en este programa. Very good. I don't know what you said, but <laughs> it, it, it will be my secret uh, to keep. What are the circumstances that surrounded your becoming a priest? What, what caused you at what point in your life to want to consider the priesthood? Yeah, so... 
I grew up uh, living next door to my grandmother, and I would spend the weekends with her. Uh, so I would go over on Friday evening, stay the night, then come back to my parents' house, and then go over Saturday evening and stay the night. And um, and so I knew that she went to church on Saturday evening, so I wasn't raised Catholic. I'm a convert to the faith, and so I didn't grow up um, with any religious background. I had a basic belief that God exists, but I didn't really grow up uh, going to church. And so I found out that uh, she goes to church. So just one weekend, I asked her if I could go with her, not knowing this Catholic or what Catholic was, but I just wanted to go with her. And then through that, just being able to experience everything. And so about a year or a year and a half after that, I just had a desire to do what the priest does, just seeing what the priest uh, did at mass and about what age was this? Are you? Uh, so this would have been. So I started going when I was in third grade. So this would have been fourth or fifth grade that I first had uh, the thought of priesthood. That's cool. So this is not only a vocation story today, but a conversion story. Correct. As well. Yes. Yes. Very good. And um, your parents did they go to church, or was it a real strong faith in your family, or were they open or closed to the idea of you becoming a priest? So my mom had been raised Catholic, but then fallen away. And my dad had been baptized in the Church of Christ, but didn't really uh, continue in that uh, faith tradition. And so my parents, since I was born, had always wanted me to kind of have the freedom to choose, to choose what faith I wanted to be a part of. So because of that, and because of their love for me, they were very supportive, very supportive of my excellent desire to start going to Mass, very supportive uh, all the way through of, of uh, becoming a priest and everything. That's excellent. I'm, I'm glad to see that that worked out to all of our advantages uh, since you're now a priest. Is your grandmother still living? No, she passed away in 2013 when I was a junior in high school. I'm sure she's still with us, praying for you every yes, day. Yes, that's right, yes. Tell me what you did to become a priest. Did you go to seminary? Did you go to Catholic college? What what happened there? Yeah, so I went to Marion University and Brute Seminary for four years. So I lived at Brute, both are here in Indianapolis. So I lived at Brute Seminary uh, with about 40 other seminarians. And then we would all commute uh, to Marion for classes throughout the week. And then uh, everything else pretty much happened in the seminary in terms of prayer and um, ministry opportunities, spiritual direction. So I entered in August of 2014, and I graduated from there in uh, May of 2018. And then I went to St. Meinrad, which is down in southern Indiana, right, um, for four years. And the difference... There's a couple differences. So like Marion and Brute is college, so I studied philosophy. And so whereas St. Meinrad uh, is a study of theology, so I studied theology. But then also everything is in, is right there. So we live there, we take took classes there, ate there. So it was a little bit more... Self-contained? Right, self-contained, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, St. Meinrad is in a huge city uh, called St. Meinrad, Indiana. Yes, Not. which now has a Dollar General. <laughs> <laughs> it is in the middle of nowhere, but yes. it's a wonderful place as well. A beautiful campus there. Uh, how did you enjoy your time at St. Meinrad? I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was 
really good to just really to experience a lot of things. I think uh, for myself, most, I would say about half my time there was marked uh, with the pandemic. And so the pandemic started uh, a year and about three quarters of my time there. So in, of course, March of 2020. And so we were given at that time when we were told we were being sent home, but we were given the option if we didn't have a place to go or if we'd rather stay there, we were given an option to stay. But if, and so there were about 40 of us, but if we stayed, then we couldn't leave. And if we left, we couldn't come back. And so really, as you mentioned, self-contained, really honing in on being able to be uh, self-contained in that sense. Because, of course, this was during the lockdown, early days of the pandemic. And so I decided to stay as well as uh, about 40 other seminarians because there's typically about 100 to 120 uh, seminarians at St. Minard. So I would say about 40 of us decided to stay. And so it was a really good opportunity just to really enter into community. Sometimes, you know, you just kind of get caught up in the business of classes and this thing or that thing, that there's opportunities for community. But really, this this time, uh, in the early days of the pandemic, just being there gave uh, myself and those there an opportunity to really be community-focused in the sense of myself and a few others organized like movie nights, game nights, TV, uh, TV show nights, bonfires. Sure. So sure. it was a really good opportunity. And then... Coming back uh, that fall, because I left St. Mindred in May once the semester was done, then I came here to St. Monica for my summer that I spent here two, two years ago. And so coming back in fall is a little bit less restrictive, but we um, we could only go off the hill for essential things. And so really continuing to focus on that community Aspect. So I would say, like, I, I've always had a focus on community, but I would say having that two-month uh, opportunity to really enter into community kind of really shaped the rest of my time at Minerid. Sure, sure. Uh, this is Gordon Smith, and we're interviewing Father Matthew Peroni. He is a new priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, ordained just this past June of 2022, and he's telling us about his time at St. Minerid. Part of that was during the pandemic, and I'm not familiar. I have to ask you, what was the mass uh, situation there that the uh, monks did at that time? In terms of having masses? Yeah, were they able to continue? They were, they were, because, uh, of course, uh, the diocese restricted the public celebration of mass, so as, like, many churches, the priest would have right, mass right. on his own. And so because, like, the monks, I mean, t- just to give an example— Typically, we're two communities, monks and seminarians. And sometimes there's intermingling between the two communities. But during the early days of the pandemic, like it was completely shut off. Mm -hmm. There was no going back and forth between monastery and seminary for anyone. And so the monks continued to have mass in their uh, Archabbey church. Right. Because um, they're being self-contained, not having any visitors. And then we in the seminary uh, continued to have mass because of, again, being self-contained, no one could enter or leave uh, the premises who wasn't already there. So you had a priest that was uh, teaching the seminarians. Correct. We have about, uh, I would say on average, there were about 10 monks 
at, or, or uh, Tim Monks and like a couple of assistant priests who are on mm-hmm. staff. So they pretty much all remained on staff. I see. And so the monks even stayed on the seminary side with us, so they couldn't. The monks that work in the school that are right. on staff, they, they on couldn't. Side. They couldn't go into the monastery, so they just we ju- they took turns having mass for us, and yeah. So where do um, where do you have mass there when it's not in the Archabbey? So we always have our own. We always had our own separate mass in the Thomas Aquinas Chapel, mm-hmm. which is in the school section. I see. And so we always pandemic, not pandemic. We've always had separate liturgies for mass for liturgy of the hours, maybe one or two times a year. They would some of the monks would come over. We would come over there, but pretty much two separate two separate chapels, two separate celebrations for everything. Okay. Going to get back to this in the second half of the program, but I want to thank you for your vocation and uh, your time here, your short time at St. Monica's Parish in Indianapolis on Michigan Road. This is Gordon Smith, and this is Sons of Melchizedek, interviewing Father Matthew Peroni. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening to the radio. And I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be intellectually stimulating. And um, at the same time, I was learning about the faith particularly the apologetics. Catholic Radio, building faith, building vocations. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. This is Gordon Smith. Welcome back to Sons of Melchizedek. I'm interviewing Father Matthew Peroni. And he likes to be known as Father Matthew, so that's what I'm going to call him in this half of the program. Father Matthew, a new priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, currently stationed at St. Monica Parish on Michigan Road. Tell me what your favorite sacrament is, Father. I would say just in the early months of priesthood, I would say my favorite sacrament uh, so far is the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Oh, cool. Really just being able to kind of sit there and just kind of wait for people to come and then to be able to offer mercy and forgiveness. In uh, persona Christi. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Very cool thing that you can do. Yeah. Do you have a lot of people come to the Sacrament of Reconciliation here at St. Monica? We do. We have confession times on Saturdays at 4, Sundays at 11.45, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from 6 to 7, 
And so I would say for the most part, uh, there's con people continuously coming. I would say more often than not, um, I'm having to, to tell people I'm sorry, but confessions are over rather than just to kind of wait for people to come. So it's a really great That is great, and that's a broad amount of time, more than many parishes offer. Yes. So there's either a lot of sin here, or <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a joke, of course, there's sin everywhere, we're all sinful, but um, that's very good that this parish has that many opportunities to have reconciliation and a, a sacrament of confession. Is that something that is unique to the Hispanic population, or do you have equal numbers of Hispanic and Anglo coming to confession? How does that work? I would say uh, all of our confession times are open to anyone. And so it's not like, okay, here's some for Anglos, here's some for Hispanics. It's open to everyone. And so I would say just in general, I would say there's a good mix on any given day. So, so since you're bilingual, it doesn't matter. It just come, you come up and... It, right, right, exactly. It works the same way, regardless of language. Right, exactly. Do you have a favorite Bible story or a verse of the Bible you want to share with us today? I do. I really like uh, John chapter 1, uh, 35 to 42. About uh, four years ago, I went to uh, Creighton University out in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh -huh. And on the uh, on Creighton's university, they have what's called IPF, the Institute for Priestly Formation, which is a nine-week spirituality summer. And so at one point during the summer, I was praying with this particular verse, or this particular story, John 1, 35 to 42, which is where John the Baptist points out Jesus uh, to, to some of the would-be disciples. And they say to him, where are you staying? And he says, come and follow me. Where are you going? Come and follow me. And so... Just in through praying on that, I felt God saying, allow me to hold you. And then I got this image of walking, of God walking side by side with me, holding my hand, leading me along the way. And it really developed into um, thinking about the road, the road of life, and that there's sometimes puddles along the way or sometimes um, mud and that that Jesus walks with me as he guides me around that, but sometimes because of sin, I fall into those puddles, into the, the, those uh, mud pits, which would be um, synonymous with sin. Sure, And sure. that Jesus picks me up out of that and washes me off, and uh, as he forgives my sins and continues to hold my hand as we continue to walk together along the journey of faith. You know, you mentioned sin, and you're a priest. For some odd reason, a lot of Catholics don't understand that priests have to go to confession too. Mm -hmm. So we're all human, um, we all fall into sin, and we all have to get cleaned up, right? That's right, that's right. And so it's a great reminder. In a sense, it's very humbling I can't forgive my own sins. I have to go to another priest and to and to go to confession. And so it's just a very humbling experience in terms of recognizing that uh, through God working through me, I'm able to offer mercy and forgiveness, but I need that mercy and forgiveness myself. And I think it reminds me uh, 
if you think about like the uh, the story in the scriptures of the of the one uh, who's forgiven debt, but then didn't forgive someone who owed oh my, him yes. a lesser debt. So it's mm-hmm. just a a great reminder of to think about okay how much I've been forgiven, and then to experience uh, offering that to someone else. That's a, that's a cool analogy there, a cool uh, reference to the Bible in that story because we are all sinners and we need to have our, our records cleaned up um, pretty much constantly, at least for me. What, what other sacraments do you enjoy conferring? Have you done marriages yet? And I've not had a wedding yet. Uh, I have a couple coming up. I have baptized and I have celebrated Mass and no confirmations yet several anointings of the sick. And so I would say, just to kind of speak to both, to, to Mass and to anointing of the sick, it's, it's a really great opportunity to, to offer Mass and to sure. and to be able to, to be in that role and to, it, it, to be able to bring the body of Christ uh, to people. So it's been a great experience. And then with anointing, to be able to go to someone's bedside and to pray with them and to to just be uh, with their family. And have you done a funeral? I have, about uh, three funerals, yes. You know, that's one of the things that I'm a convert as Mm -hmm. well, and uh, it's one of the things about the Catholic Church that always appealed to me is the fact that I can walk in myself now and go to a a funeral mass, and, and I take a lot of comfort in knowing that there'll be people that had no idea who I was when they come mm-hmm. to my funeral mass, mm-hmm. and there'll be people celebrating the Holy Eucharist right alongside me. Right, exactly, so, yeah. So cool. Oh. Tell me about the Holy Eucharist. How did that work out when you figured out that that was the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and uh, it's interesting that you bring it up because it's kind of interesting my thoughts along it uh, about it growing up right right so um i would say starting to go to mass you know i knew i was supposed to cross my arms over my chest to receive a blessing so i went up and received a blessing but like people uh in front of me and behind me you know the body of christ the body of christ and so there was just something in me that knew okay this is this is the body and blood of Christ, right? Like, I, I never doubted that, but I had a very miscued understanding. And so I would say by like fifth or sixth grade, this was corrected and I started to understand uh, a little bit more, but uh, I, or I, underst- I started to understand it better. But um, I kind of took the multiplication of the loaves story in the gospel and applied it to the Eucharist. So I'm like, okay, this is Jesus's flesh and blood from from the cross, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just been multiplied over the centuries and going along the lines of like multiplication of the loaves and fish. right? And that it's just been multiplied over the centuries and that's why we never run out. And then, like I said, when I was in is great, I, I, so I would always read the bulletin in the car on the way back from from mass and i read one time like we need like money to buy f- the the bread for bread and wine for mass and so i think it was in that moment that i started to to better understand what the eucharist is and over time you know came to realize it's not 
multiplication, but just the transformation that takes place. And I would say, uh, for me, like just going through seminary and um, learning more about the Eucharist, I would say one thing that to me that really stands out is this idea of like sacrifice. So the bread and wine are brought up and they're offered to God. God receives them and transforms them into the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And so the same too with people's offerings because the people offer, uh, partake in the sacrifice, my sacrifice and yours, right? right. So the people uh, partake in the sacrifice by bringing their struggles, their joys, uh, their baggage, presenting that to God at the offertory, almost as if it was all together in the paten with the bread. And as the bread and wine are offered, so too are people's struggles and joys offered. And then God receives that and transforms uh, the people as well in the midst of their struggles and joys. That's a great explanation. And I, I will ride along with you on the multiplication I'm not sure if that's uh, theologically correct, but you are the multiplier because you are doing that transformation mm. and performing the miracle right on the altar. So in a way, it is multiplying, mm -hmm. uh, and, and for that, we need priests, right, and, right. and we are thankful for your vocation in that regard because we couldn't do this. We couldn't enjoy the sacrament, and it came very, um, became very obvious to many Catholics during the pandemic mm -hmm. when everything was shut down, how much we missed that. And mm -hmm. we, so we are so thankful for you, uh, Father Matthew, and your vocation. Um, we're getting near the end of the program here, but uh, can you tell me something about what folks can do for you or maybe not do for you to help you in your vocation here at St. Monica's? I would say first and foremost, just pray for me and pray for all priests as well as to, to pray uh, for vocations. Not necessarily, so we, oftentimes we hear an increase of vocations, and that's a good thing to pray for. But God is very bountiful and very generous. There are many vocations that he's bestowing. And so to be able to take the time to, to pray that more young people will become open to hearing the call. I mean, there's so much noise in our world today. And so just to be able to take that silence and to truly listen as God uh, speaks to them and invites them, invites them to this way of life. Very good. We've been interviewing today Father Matthew Peroni, and he is a brand-new priest just four months in today, I think. Is that what you said today? Four months yesterday on October yesterday. 4th. St. Francis Feast Day was four months, yep. Well, congratulations on that. We Thank are you. happy that you're here at St. Monica, and we're so pleased and fortunate that we have you and you, that you answered the call of vocation. Uh, we are interviewing you today as uh, part of the Sons of Melchizedek program. I'm Gordon Smith, and we look forward to a long career for you, Father Matthew. Thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, and know of my prayers for you all and for all the great work that you do. Thank you. God You're bless. Welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 103.7.